Welcome back to the Gynecology Salon, the podcast for medical students. We are recording at the University of Oslo, Norway. I'm Peter Fedorshak and I have a very special guest today who's going to talk about endometriosis. As a bonus, we're going to tell you how to treat menstrual pain, so make sure you listen all the way to the end. In the Gynecology Salon, we cover selected topics in reproductive physiology and women's health that may be particularly important or difficult during this semester. If you have suggestions for a topic or comments to the show, you can find us on Twitter at GIN underscore Saloon or at our website at the University of Oslo, uio.no. Now it's time to welcome our special guest, the old chief of the department, whom we also call Silent Bull for his experience and wisdom, Tom Tambo, Professor Emeritus. Tom had been teaching gynecology to many generations of students uh, and he was head of the department and in the old days he was among the first clinicians in uh, Norway to establish IVF. Hi Tom and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Tom, let's start with a special case that you used to show to your medical students, the patient presenting with sharp chest pain and breathlessness around menstruation. How was the story again? Since we're going to talk about endometriosis and the definition of endometriosis is ectopic endometrial-like tissue. I used to present a patient with what we call catamenial pneumothorax. Oh my god, that's complicated. Well, it's not so complicated, but it shows that endometrial tissue definitely is ectopic in this situation. Just to, to, uh, to emphasize, Everything that is called catamenial means that it is related to the menstruation. The case was a woman in the beginning of her 30s who several times was admitted to an intensive care unit for sudden chest pain. And each time uh, pneumothorax was diagnosed on the right side and a chest tube was inserted, and after some days they could remove the chest tube and everything was okay. Then, some months later, the same thing happens. And after her third period of pneumothorax, the thoracic surgeon decided to do a thoracoscopy. Okay, so look into with an optics into the... Yes, it's like a laparoscopy, just above the, uh, the diaphragm. And... Uh, then he saw some red blebs on the, the pleura. He took a biopsy, and the answer he got was endometriosis. So this was endometriosis on the visceral pleura of the right lung. I guess this was a very special case. Have you seen anything like that? Yes, I have. Not many times, but I think three or four times. I think it clearly represents ectopic endometrial tissue. And the way it probably ended up in the pleura was that in below the diaphragm, there is circulation of the fluid inside the, the abdominal cavity. And there are lymph uh, vessels that penetrates the right part of the diaphragm. And in this way, you may have 
small, small fragments of an endometrium from either pre-existing endometriosis in the pelvis or from endometrium, which has been discarded through the, uh, the fallopian tubes during uh, menstrual period. So now we are into this, that how endometriosis is initiated. It must be uh, complicated and... Um... Well, you know, the, the most easily way to understand it is that it is ref- uh, reflux of endometrium or endometrium implants during the menstrual period through the fallopian tubes and into the pelvis. Most of the blood goes through the vagina, but if you do a laparoscopy during ongoing menstrual period, you will always see hemiatric fluid in the bottom of the pelvis, in, in the in the pouch of Douglas. But if it's so frequent, how come that uh, some women experience endometriosis and get the disease while others uh, won't? Well, in most cases, uh, the, the immunological system takes care of it. So just the immune cells remove the lesions. Yes. All women, as you say, have this kind of retrograde menstrual flux. You would expect that endometriosis is a very prevalent disease, is it? It probably is. But how prevalent is more or less impossible to, to, to reveal because the only way of diagnosis endometriosis is by laparoscopy. And you cannot do laparoscopy on the whole female population. With other words, you really... Uh, unable to detect all the cases because the presentation is so variable. But how, how is it? How it is started? How the endometriosis? Uh, how is the debut? How it is uh, initiated? Endometriosis is something that you see in women of reproductive age. That means that they have started to have the periods, and to have endometriosis, you must have menstrual periods, which is blood contaminated with uh, discharged endometrial-like tissue. So before you enter a menarche, you won't have endometriosis. And when you stop with your periods at, uh, at menopause in the beginning of the 50s, then the endometriosis will disappear, more or less. Okay, so this is a, a disease of reproductive age women. Yes, so because it's estrogen-dependent. Medi- estrogen-dependent. And um, since it's uh, so much dependent of the menstrual cycles, I guess that uh, there are uh, uh, conditions where you don't have uh, regular menstrual cycles will protect you against uh, yeah, uh, endometriosis. That's correct. correct. That's correct. Infrequent periods, many pregnancies... Long periods of lactation after you have given birth protects you from having endometriosis. And vice versa, young age at uh, menarche, frequent periods, uh, no, uh, no few pregnancies, predisposes for endometriosis. I also heard that uh, in uh, endometriosis, smoking is one of the protective factors. Probably yes. the- <laughs> The only thing smoking you would protect you against is endometriosis. But how, why is that? Probably because smoking decreases the estrogen level. Okay. So that's the way how it's yes, linked pro- to... Yes, probably. Hmm. Is, is there any 
I mean, diagnosis is, uh, I mean, endometriosis is relatively difficult to to diagnose as you need to do laparoscopy in order to be certain that this is the yes, diagnosis. In, in most cases, you have, at least you have to do laparoscopy. But in extensive endometriosis, you can see it on ultrasound or you can feel it when you do a gynecological examination. Uh, tell me more about it. How, how, uh, how, what you mean about extensive endometriosis? So, what's this? You know, endometriosis creates an inflammatory reaction. Uh, the inflammation creates fibrosis and scarring. And endometriosis, endometriotic cells also invades other tissue. So, it's in many ways, it's like cancer. But it, it is not cancer. Uh, you may have um, intensive scarring, adhesion, and when the ovaries are adhered to the peritoneal lining, you may also have endometrioma. That means chocolate cyst or endometriosis cyst. On the ovary. On the ovary, which you can palpate during a gynecological examination or that you can see with vaginal ultrasound. So that, that this uh, peritonal reaction against endometriosis can induce scarring that you can uh, like get some signs of either by palpation yeah. or I guess uh, it must be also very painful, is it? Both during uh, examination and uh, otherwise. That's the funny thing with endometriosis because there is no relation between the extent of endometriosis and pain as the main symptom. Some patients may just have some blebs on, uh, on the peritoneal lining and have extensive pain, while others may have extensive scarring, total obliteration of, of the pouch of Douglas, and still no pain. But most patients with extensive endometriosis, that's what we call deep endometriosis, deep invasive endometriosis, will have pain. And uh, uh, you talk about invasiveness, that the endometrial, that this endometriosis tissue is invading the, uh, both the, uh, the peritoneum and the ovarian surface, and uh, it looks like a cancer. But it's not a cancer, and why? It, uh, uh, and uh, how come that it is not uh, this? Uh, how's this uh, invasiveness stopped? Actually, I don't know whether anyone knows. But uh, since you mentioned it, uh, patients who have ovarian endometriomas have a little increased risk of having ovarian cancer later on. Are there any late complications of endometriosis? Except for uh, ovarian cancer, which, I must repeat, is quite infrequent. Can't see that there are, but of course, this inflammatory process may cause a lot of problems. For example, intestinal obstruction, uh, ureteral obstruction, which is all caused by the scarring and fibrosis. I guess this uh, scarring can also affect the... Uh, fallopian tubes and then all of oh, a sudden you have and infertility. That's, and that's why uh, many, not all, but many of patients with endometriosis will have a reduced fertility. And if you do a laparoscopy on infertile patients, 
then you will find endometriosis in approximately 40 to 50 percent of all patients. Much more frequent than in the average population of women in reproductive age, in which the, well, it's, it's a discussion of how frequent it is, but Probably around 7%. So with other words, uh, endometriosis is a lot more frequent among uh, uh, infertile women. But uh, still, you can't really point to a single cause how endometriosis causes infertility. No, there are many different causes. You mentioned locked fallopian tubes due to scarring, but it has also been shown that uh, endometriosis uh, affects uh, follicular development. It affects uh, ovulation transport of gametes through the fallopian tube, many different causes. And how is the uh, its impact on infertility treatment? Uh, is it having any effect on, uh, uh, on the outcome of uh, assisted reproduction? or uh? That depends on whether you're using in vivo or in vitro procedures. If you do insemination with husband or donor, Sperm. So that's when you uh, put a, a spermatozoa inside the uterine cavity? Yes. Then, if the, this patient also have endometriosis, then the results are much, much poorer than if you did not have endometriosis. But in patients in which you're doing IVF... So taking out the eggs. Taking the gametes out of their normal environment, then the um, success rate is just as high as if they did not have endometriosis. So, with other words, uh, you may speculate that endometriosis somehow impacts the environment of the gametes. Yes, and possibly the oocyte or the egg quality. If uh, we already went into the treatment of endometriosis and uh, talked about the fertility management, but uh, how about pain? How, how are you treating endometriosis-related pain? Well, you know... Uh, Pain is the most frequent uh, problem in patients with, with endometriosis. And it, the most frequent pain symptom is dysmenorrhea. That means pain during menstruation. And you also have dyspareunia, which means pain during intercourse, dysuria, and uh, also chronic pelvic pain. And the, the most important thing when treating uh, pain in patients with endometriosis is probably to do something that stops the patients having their menstrual periods or um, making the periods more infrequent or less blood during each period. Um, and the kind of treatment you, you use will depend on the age of the patient and whether the patient uh, want to have children or not. But in adolescents, like in teenagers, we start with uh, oral contraceptive pills. Reduces the amount of blood during each period. And in, in most of these adolescents, it has a very good effect. Then you can also treat uh, use uh, painkillers. Um, if this is not uh, enough, then you can use medical treatments which stops the periods or less completely, for example, continuous progesterone treatment, uh, the more advanced treatment with the GnRH agonist. But that is not the first thing that you, you start with. And then you have, of course, surgery. 
but you always start with uh, with medical treatment for pain. And uh, would surgery be effective in endometriosis? The disease seems to be very disseminated, and uh, can you treat it effectively? Well, at least if you're going to be operated for endometriosis, you need a very an, uh, a very experienced surgeon. The most important thing is to remove as much endometriotic tissue uh, that you can see and remove scarring. Sometimes you need the help of a urologist or a gastroenterological surgeon because it may be very complicated surgery. But surgery is helpful in approximately 75% of the patients, at least concerning the symptoms. We didn't mention much about uh, the uh, myometrial presentation of the uh, endometriosis, the adenomyosis, when it's invading no. the wall of the uterus. Is that uh, the same disease or is it something different? I think it's a different story because patients with adenomyosis are older and uh, they most often have several pregnancies. Adenomyosis means that you have uh, endometrial-like tissue inside the myometrium of the uterus. And at least one of the theories regarding the development of adenomyosis is that during pregnancies and births, you have distension and rupture of the border between the endometrium or the decidua and the myometrium. So the decidua or the endometrium may, may invade the myometrium. And uh, of course, adenomyosis is ectopic endometrium, but in my opinion, it's it's a little different story. So this is not the, uh, not really the same disease. Even this is uh, also concerned about an ectopic endometrial tissue. It is uh, the pathogenesis is different. Thank you, Tom, so much for uh, your visiting the gynecology salon. And uh, thank you also for listening. Uh, and make sure uh, to follow us on Twitter at the GIN underscore salon or on your, our website at the University of Oslo, where we are waiting for your feedback, comments and suggestions. And before you go, uh, show uh, some love for us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. We are sitting at the campfire with uh, Silent Bull, also known as uh, Tom Tambo, Professor Emeritus. Tom is silent as he often is. Probably I can disturb him with a question. Tom, while watching the fire, I cannot help uh, but asking you that uh, uh, do you have some good story about pain management in endometriotic women? I can recall a patient almost 30 years ago. She was sent to, to us from another hospital. She had excruciating pain and it was known that she had quite extensive endometriosis. She had been operated several times. It didn't have any effect. She had, had various kinds of uh, medical treatment. And I talked to the patient and said, okay, let's do something that there is no much experience with. But I will suggest that we try a GnRH agonist. 
on you. The GNR is agonist, suppresses the estrogen level, and we know that endometriosis is an estrogen-dependent disease. The estrogen level will, will be so low that if you do give this treatment for a long time, then you have to give estrogen add back. You have to give a little estrogen back to the patient so that she will not develop an uh, osteoporosis. So losing bone mass. By losing bone mass, mm. yes. And the thing is, this treatment was very successful. She continued with this treatment for seven years. And she told me when we decided to, to stop the treatment, she had the she was close to her, her uh, menopausal age. She told me that those seven years was the best years of her life. Thank you, Tom.